Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Blame It on the VAR podcast. I'm your host, Yusuf. So it's everyone's least favourite time of the football year with the international break, but don't worry, we got you covered. So on today's show, we're going to talk about what was an absolutely insane deadline day, the transfer window as a whole, and last weekend's Premier League action, which whew, was interesting to say the least. So uh, on the panel, we got Denzel. Hello, guys. It's good to be back. And we got Karis. Hello, it's good to be here. Okay, so let's start off by talking about the transfer window. So, Denzel, how much impact do you think COVID has had on transfers and how long will the fallout from this pandemic last? I feel like with COVID, it's been a bit complicated for transfers because some teams don't want to get rid of any players because they need a squad with depth, but then they also need the money as well. Like, if you see with Leon, we're trying to ship the the pie out. I don't know if he actually went to Barca, but they're trying to ship him out for a lot less than he's worth. So I think it's kind of interesting in that stance. But then I also think, I don't think, I think with the football, I think football will get back to normal a bit quicker than everything else, considering like owners are a lot, like are rich and maybe they, I don't know how the TV revenue is going to work this year. So I think maybe the January transfer window might still a bit iffy, but I think by the next summer we should be okay. Yeah, I reckon it'll get better. Karis, what do you think? Yeah, COVID's had a big issue on the whole transfer as a whole. Like, you know, not a lot of clubs have as as much liquid funds as they usually have, not as much revenues coming in. So it's been hard for everybody, including ourselves. But I'm just happy that at least despite these hard circumstances, we've got the deals done that need to be done. So, yeah, it's been a tricky summer, but at least we've got on those moves that we needed. Yeah, that's 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 big for you. And and I don't know, just what do you think are the best and worst moves of the window in the Premier League and just in general? Um, for me, the best would have to be Thiago, just for the fact that he moved for twenty-seven million is quite cheap for a midfielder who could possibly have a claim to be the best in the league. So, yeah, that's a good deal for Liverpool, really. And in terms yeah. of the worst, I don't know. Time time will tell, really. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell what the worst deals are at the start. I'd say Thiago is definitely one of, one of, for me, one of the two strong candidates for the best, just a player of that quality, especially coming off the season he's just had for such a cheap price, I'd say. The other one for me was probably James Rodriguez to Everton, just because yeah. he 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 was free. And and Denzel, what, what do you think? Well, what would you say are the best? The best transfers, I think, I would, I would say Everton, but not just Hammers. I think the way they just revamped their midfield with Alan Decore and Hammers, I think that's great business there. So I think those three together, because almost like I wouldn't say it's just one signing, but you know they're all you know they're all coming straight in, and they're all just gonna make the midfield so much better. But with worst signing, yeah, as Kyra said, it's hard to tell because we're too early into the season for me to say who's gonna be the worst. I don't want to um, wish any bad luck on anyone, but. I still think I'm still a bit questionable with the Cavani to United thing and him getting number seven as well. I was just like, wow. Yeah, I think we shouldn't have given Cavani number seven. I see, I see why we wanted him, Cavani, in that he's one of the best number nines of the last decade, and especially he excels with his off-ball movement, which is something our strikers, Martial, Greenwood, they struggle with, and that's something that they can learn off him if they can learn the movement off someone like Cavani, then they're going to become unstoppable, I think. But no, talk, talking of strengthening Karis, what um, do you think about Thomas Partey? What kind of impact do you think he'll have on you? Do you reckon he could have the kind of impact that someone like Van Dijk had on Liverpool? Yeah, definitely. For me, it's a fantastic sign in Thomas Partey. Like, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. He's a world-class player, which for me should be obvious anyway. But... The impact he had at Atletico in the last year has been fantastic. He can receive the ball deep. He's got a good passing range. He can, especially the good thing about him is that he's so athletic and can dribble really well. And so it's that he kind of combines our players' best qualities into one. So like Sebas is very press resistant, but so is Partey. And Shaka's got good positioning and passing, but Partey's also got a good pass in him. So it's like we're getting the best of both worlds in him. Added with the fact that, you know, He's already suited for the league in, in terms of his profile. So it's going to be exciting to see how he does for us and not under Simeone. So I feel like he could be unleashed at another level potentially. And that would definitely boost that midfield a great deal. Well, yeah, I think, you know, he's such a well-rounded midfielder. I'm surprised more top teams weren't in for him this summer as a United I think, fan. I think Chelsea were. Chelsea tried to... Well, not try to get him. I think... Chelsea there, shows there, were definitely, there, were definitely, there was definitely interest shown from Chelsea, but I don't think anything materialised. 
Yeah, yeah I think yeah, Chelsea always saw him as a plan B because they wanted Declan Rice. But as a United fan, Partey was one of my top targets. I really wanted us to get him. And Denzel, as a Chelsea fan, would you? How scared would you say you are of the fact that Arsenal now the the fact that Arsenal have signed Thomas Partey? I wouldn't say I'm now scared of Arsenal, but I do think he will be a great signing for them because I definitely wanted him at Chelsea because I think a midfield of him and Kante would be easily okay, maybe not easily, but it would definitely make sure we have the best midfield. Chelsea would have the best midfield in the Premier League. Definitely, I, do, I, I think that um, yeah, it's a great signing, and I think as Harris mentioned, all his qualities there. He's going to be good and we will see the best of him yet because he isn't playing under the rigid Atletico Madrid system. So I think it should be good. Well, yeah, I think he would have had the same impact on United, made our midfield that good. But, you know, actually, as a Chelsea fan, though, you've you've obviously had an excellent window. You've really plugged some holes and spent a lot. So how how, how would you rate your window out of 10? Um, I'll say we'd get, I'd give us, uh, give us a very high rating. I'd say 9, 8.5 minimum because... I think we should have gotten a better keeper instead of Mendy, but Mendy did look decent when he played for us, even though it's a small sample size. But other than that, we did cover every like every hole we had in our team. We brought in news, we brought in Thiago Silva, we brought in Havertz for creativity, we brought Werner to finish um, chances, we brought in Ziyech to create more chances for us. I think that'd be good for us. However, I do think one problem with us is we did wait too late to ship off players because I know we're still trying to get players out on loan and stuff like that. But other than that, we would think we had a great window. Well, I saw a report saying Mendy's injured now, so it looks like you're back to Kepa. It's two weeks, so hopefully it's oh. maybe hopefully it's less than two weeks because I, I don't think I can physically bear that. Yeah. Just Caballero. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather that. I'd rather Caballero get him. Like, I think Chelsea fans just have a policy now, Any, anyone but Kepa. <laughs> yeah, it is literally, yeah. isn't it? No. You know, Karis, how would you rank Arsenal's window out of 10 then? Um, I'd give it a 6 out of 10 mainly because of um, Gabriel was a good, brilliant signing for us and you know we just needed that centre-back that is you know composed on the ball can play on the left-hand side and yeah he just brings a sense of calm to our defence so it's just good to see for once and then Partey obviously was a brilliant signing I'm surprised that you know we were pretty much almost uncontested for him Willian I'm not the biggest fan of him which is part, part of my downgrade for him but for the window, but you know he can be a decent squad player that kind of you know, filling around, whether it's an attacking midfield or in on the wing. Um, but the thing is that I feel like personally we need the upgrade in Lacazette because we need somebody that you know can score more goals than he does. But apart from that, just can link up play better than he does as well, because in the Arsenal fan base his hold up play is just very overrated. Like, is not really as good as a lot of fans seem to think it is. And then, yeah, it's mainly the upgrade and cassette that I feel like was needed. But other than that, I'll just give six out of 10 for now. And Awa, that's the one I've got. Yeah, Awa, unfortunately yes. with that, was his agent wanted like 10 million in, in commissions, if I'm correct, which is crazy. Not even Mina Raiola would ask that much. So that's pretty much the only reason why we couldn't do it, because he wanted to come as well. But, you know, it yeah. is what it is. I'll give six for now. Yeah, I think I think the entire Arsenal fan base, and even extending on that, I think everyone knows your thoughts on Lacazette. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I just got to do it by all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for United, I'd say we had like a three out of ten window for at most. I was not happy with the window. Like, yeah. okay, Tellez, yeah, he's an excellent creator. He's he he's brought up put up some good goal and assist numbers, but I think what people don't realise is a lot of the, that they're inflated by set pieces and I don't have a problem with players being good set piece takers but we've got Bruno Fernandes and I don't see him relinquishing set piece duty so tell us his numbers will go down and he's an excellent crosser but he's not really a high volume crosser if, if he can become a high volume crosser the way someone like Trent or obviously he's not a fullback but Kevin De Bruyne is for their respective sides then it'll be a lot better it's good because he can run that left hand side himself but he doesn't progress the ball enough or contribute enough in build-up for my liking. Obviously, there's there's a chance he can adapt. And if he does adapt, I'll be very happy. But whilst he'll let Rashford play a bit more centrally as more of an inside forward, he'll also make Rashford and Fernandes have to drop a bit deeper and progress the ball a bit more, unless, obviously, he adapts. But So I think there's a lot of pros and cons to 
Nutella signing. Ahmad Traore, obviously, I've, I've spoken to you about this, Karis. I think he's a real hidden gem. From what I've seen of him, he looks really, really good. He, look, he looks like an Usman Dembele region a bit. But if he can stay fit, he, I think he'll be, he'll be a really, really good player. And then uh, for Kundo Palistri, at first I wasn't convinced, but I've, I've seen a little bit more of him. And in ways, he reminds me of Christian Pulisic and like, how he, how he dribbles and stuff the number of kind of dribbles he attempts. And he's also, he's got some pretty decent creative numbers despite not getting so many assists. And obviously he's young, so if he can get the end product, then that's a big plus. But Cavani, while I think it could have been a beneficial signing, it was a panic signing. He was available months ago. We, we If we wanted him, we should have gone for him then. And I just don't think we got enough of our first choice targets. It just it just wasn't good enough. And and Jaden Sancho, that, that whole saga was just... It was so dreamy, but <laughs> I love it. It's the fact that we didn't get him in the end that's so frustrating. And obviously, Denzel, you were linked to Jaden Sancho, so you you got, everyone knows his quality. Like, how do you feel about the fact that he hasn't moved? It's made me so happy because I kind of embarrassed myself a bit because I've been screaming Jaden Sancho to Chelsea twenty twenty for like <laughs> over eighteen months now, but. It's yeah, but for the fact that he was linked to United and Chelsea were linked to him as well, I thought it'd be a great battle to see who'd get them. But then apparently the Chelsea links were just maybe made by the fan base alone because we went in for Ziyech pretty early. I didn't like we were signing him, so I thought, oh no, he's going to go to United and improve them and get taken number seven and whatever. But he didn't, which was I mean, as a Chelsea fan, that's great for us. I guess it's great, probably great for Karis too to see United yeah. and one of the best players in the world. So I guess, yeah, I'm happy about that. But I do think I want to see him in the Prem soon, though, whether that is at Chelsea or United. Yeah, Just not at United. Their fans are too loud. I think everyone wants to see him in the Prem, you know, a player of that quality. And I think he, he would have really added a whole different dimension to our attack, something we really need. His ability to kind of manipulate the ball in such tight spaces, the ability to create. I saw people saying, like, oh, he's not got, like, the speed and power for it. I'm like... Look at Hamas Rodriguez, or obviously Sanchez is a lot quicker than Hamas Rodriguez, but you don't need necessarily physicality to succeed in the Premier League. Jaden Sancho, his ability to control the ball in tight spaces is up there with the best in the world. And just his, his general creativity, his ability to get goals to, you know, he's, he's 20 years old and, you know, he was, he was 19 at the start of last season, putting up numbers of the likes of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, that's, that's, that's crazy. Ballon d'Or potential right there for sure. Yeah, potential. 100% Ballon d'Or potential. He, he has the potential to be one of the very best players in the world. And I think it's just, it's a lack of ambition from the board that we've not got him. And I, I think it shows they don't necessarily back the manager as much. Just but, know that if we get, if we get Champions League uh, places, I'm going to be screaming Sancho shamelessly. I think I'll be screaming Sancho to Chelsea 2021 because <laughs> I'd love him in Chelsea. He'd be an upgrade on Willian for Arsenal to be fair. We need another four to support Aubameyang so Sancho would be amazing but if we, if we forked up um, that much for Pepe then I'd hope that we would go for something how much he costs, but that will never happen to be honest. But just just me dreaming. But yeah, yeah that's, and that's what frustrates me. After we paid eighty million for Harry Maguire, who we'll, we'll talk about later in this podcast, but <laughs> we draw the line at one hundred and twenty million for Sancho. Like, it's it's ridiculous. But you know, see, now now that the transfer window is all said and done with, Denzel, what do you think for the season? Like, who who would you predict to kind of go down, and who will be fighting for the title? Who will be in the top four mix and stuff? What do you reckon? Um, it's so open, especially after last week, the fo- weekend just gone to football, which we'll get onto later. But it's just to me, at first, I, at the start of the season, I would have said, okay, it's City or Liverpool, maybe Chelsea will be dark horses. But then Chelsea haven't really gelled quick enough for us to say a title um, contention this season. But then again, then again, after what's just happened, Everton start, Aston Villa start. Well, Aston Villa probably won't win the league, that's more of a relegation. I don't think they'll be contending for relegation the way last year. But it's just, to me, I think literally anyone could win in it. I think if Spurs get Bale and Son and Kane running good, with Jason Munoz as manager, they could win it. You never know. I think Liverpool probably are the clear favourites, but I actually generally believe any of the top six teams could win it this season. Apart from maybe Arsenal and United, who just are like as gelled as everyone else with their complete squads. Yeah, you yeah, have no tactics. <laughs> as for relegation, um, 
I don't want to wish anyone's down for it again. I really don't like talking the relegation talk, but I do think out of all the teams that are in that battle, I think Fulham are probably certain to go down. The way they've started poorly, I just don't see any time coming back from this. I like Scott Parker as a manager, but he hasn't he hasn't really shown that he can turn it around for Fulham yet. So yeah, I think they'll definitely go down. Yeah, I think Fulham, they're, they're a side, they play very expansive football, but they've not really got the defence for it. Although I, I agree, I like Scott Parker, but unfortunately, I think Fulham and West Brom will go down. They just, they they play quite nice attacking football, but their defences are just so open and top teams will kill them. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, any, any anyone can do it this year. I think, obviously, Liverpool are probably the favourites, but after the result they've just had at Aston Villa and the fact that Alisson's going to be out for a while with Adrian in goal, like, yeah. that's, going, that's going to be a big worry for them. You know, Everton, for me, are real dark horses this season. They could actually end up having a Leicester season. They yeah, they look so strong. And Ancelotti, to me, is the third best manager in the league. He's, you know, he's just, he's, just one man, he's just one manager of the month and he's doing a fantastic job. So... Like, yeah, I, I, that's what I reckon. I, th- I think United and Arsenal will do quite well. I think United will drop off a bit. Well, Karis, Karis, what do you think? Um, yeah, like Denzel was saying, it's hard to predict how the season's going to go. Like, Elton's start has been fantastic. Calvert Lewin, Richarlison, Hammers, Alan Decoure, all of them have been in top four. There's so many that I haven't named either. Um, Villa have had a decent start to the season, to be honest. I don't know. I don't see that lasting, but I think they'll get a top half, so that should be good for them. Um, yeah, I think Villa are a team to watch, actually. Oli Watkins, good signing for them. I think he, they, they needed that that presence up top, that guy who can get goals, and I think he can be that for them. And he got a lot of goals at Brentford. I can't remember how many, but I think it was close to like 25 or something, so we'll yeah, see how he does for them. Um, with us... To be honest, I feel like the top four race is just really open, to be honest, because even though we haven't fully strengthened where we need to, I just feel like Arteta tactically has drilled this team so well that we can go out against any team and we don't feel inferior. We feel like, you know, we'll give a fighting chance to win the game, even against a team like Liverpool. So I'm excited to see how the season will go for us as well. Chelsea, it just depends on if Lampard can get Havertz, Ziyech, Werner all gelling together really well all in their right positions and stuff like that, then United is the one where, I don't know if United fans criticise me, but I just don't feel like they're going to do that. Well, I, I feel like there's a chance that they're missing top four. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, a, I think there's that chance too. There was a there was the point before I, before the season started, I was thinking, you know what, United are dead set of the top four. Their starting eleven is amazing. But then... When we've gone, like, I know it's only been, like, three or so games, but I just don't feel like you have the quality in depth um, beyond your starters to, you know, um, keep, like, winning games and stuff. And just tactically as well, Oli's just not really that good. Yeah, it, like, it, it's looked really poor so far. It just, look, it just looks a mess, but then I can't talk too much because Arsenal can capitulate any time, so we just never know, really. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping it's just a blip and we get back to it soon. But I'll give my opinion later. Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's, let's talk now about Liverpool and Aston Villa, this, this, this freak result. Like, and Denzel, do you think it's that? Do you think it's a freak result or do you think that this kind of, you know, Liverpool have had this humbling coming to them for a while now? It's definitely a freak result. Because it's been five days now and I still can't wrap my head around how Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa with all of Aston Villa's game goals coming from open play and about the fact that there's no red cards, there's no penalties. It just To me, it's mind-blowing. No set-piece goals, how Liverpool can ship seven. I know Adrian was bad, but come on, seven goals to Aston Villa, that to me is ridiculous. But I do think I do agree with the humbling aspect in the sense that they were conceding. They were shipping goals, but they didn't want to change their. Uh, they didn't want to change their approach to the game, which I think was awful game management. But yeah, I, I do. I do like the fact they lost though, because their fans have just been going on and on for two years now. So that <laughs> yeah. that seven-two just to shut <laughs> them up for that a weekend was great. 
Yeah, even after our result, I was happy with that. <laughs> and yeah, on the note, the Highline Karras, do you think they need to ditch it? Um, well, I don't know. It's up to Klopp if he wants to, because the thing is that, you know, he's been playing with that system and had almost a record-breaking season last season. So, you know, things have been working for him, but at the same time, near the end, either, either you can put it down to, you know, they're relaxed because they won the title or something else. But, you know, near the end of last season, they started to, you know, get found out a little bit. Then this season, again, Leeds gave them a good game. Now Villa have come and slashed in seven. So, yeah, I won't say into ditch at Highland just yet. It could be just a, a freak result. But one feature of the game, which I feel like was poor against Villa, was that they lost the midfield battle too easily. Like, yeah. it's like they almost underestimated who Villa were. Like, Douglas Luiz, for example, he didn't go to Man City for no reason at that point. He's actually a very good midfielder. And he's yeah, holding he's, down for them really well. McGinn, as McGinn is going forwards and back, creating, doing everything. Grealish as well. He... At the moment, Greenwich is unplayable. He's a brilliant player. He's, and it's just it's good for them that they kept him, really. What he did to Van Dijk that game was ridiculous. Oh, I see that highlight was ridiculous. Like, honestly, I see, what, I see why everyone was happy after the game now. I see why I was happy. Yeah, and, 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 Joe, and Joe Gomez. Obviously, Karras, in the past, you, you've praised Joe Gomez. Like, what do you think about his recent form? Yeah, that's the thing. I've praised him before saying that, you know, top five centre back in the league. But nowadays, this top five is switching every week because of <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the goals went down his side. And it's just, it was just not good enough from him because we know that I expect a lot better than him to be, well, a lot better for him personally. So he's not been the best. But the issue is that, you know, Matip has been injured quite a lot. So I feel like they need to take him out the firing line and then maybe put in Fabinho in some games, you know. Because he did quite well against Chelsea and he kind of marshaled Werner really well. So, I feel like it's something that could ha- happen again. So, yeah, Fabinho, Fabinho locked Werner up against Chelsea completely. And, you know, if Matip can keep fit, I think he's the best player to partner Van Dijk. But, you know, Den- Denzel, what do you think about Joe Gomez? Because he was doing well last season, but then he just... Uh, it was after the lockdown that he dropped. Like a lot of players, he just dropped off completely. I think him and Trent both had that they just they just yeah. weren't the same. Obviously, I Trent looked like he was drunk a bit, but yeah, <laughs> I find it harsh to judge players based on post-lockdown form because obviously, yes, yeah, some players have hit the ground running, but you know the coronavirus has affected everyone in so many different ways. So I find it harsh to say Joe Gomez is falling off or whatever, but he has looked poor since he came in. And as Karis mentioned, I think the Van Dijk and Fabinho centre-back partnership was great against Chelsea. And I generally think if Fabinho plays the way he did against Chelsea every game with Van Dijk next to him, that's easily the best centre-back partnership we have in the league. So if Thiago's playing in the midfield now for Liverpool, taking Fabinho's place in a different way, I think giving Joe Gomez some time to like out of the limelight, let him get back to match fitness and match sharpness and come back with a little less pressure, I think it'd be really good for him and for his career going forward. Yeah, I think, I think sometimes you need that. You just need to be like, dropped and just refocus yourself think right what am I doing where's my career going and another another player who has been good in the past but has looked really poor actually over over the whole of last season Roberto Firmino Denzel what do you think about him yeah I think it's time Liverpool if Liverpool want to go forward as a club and not just be like okay we won the league that's it I want to keep dominating the way the United team did back in the day or the way Chelsea tried to do they have to now be looking at their front three and thinking, okay, going forward, who's the weakest and how can we strengthen? I think Firmino is the weakest out of the three. They did try to go for Werner this year, but they didn't have the funds for the buyout fee, which I thought was crazy because if I go for it, I'd gone for it straight away. So I do think, yeah, they, it's time for Firmino to go. If he's there at the start of next season, I'll be very shocked. But I think, yeah, time for him to go and they just bring in someone stronger. 100%. I mean, I think it's another German that joined Chelsea that, Liverpool should have broken the bank for in Kai Havertz. I think he would have been the perfect Firmino replacement because he's an upgrade on him in so so many different ways. And Karis, I know I know you used to, you used to rate Firmino ahead of Martial, but now you've you changed your opinion and just what do you think about Firmino in general, Karis? Yeah, that's the thing. Like you have to hold your head up sometimes and just think that you know things change in football and. The thing with Firmino is that I rate him so highly, maybe since 17, 18, like, you know, the way he links up play, 
his intelligence of knowing where Salah and are going to run, he just kept them ticking. But ever since, you know, near the tail, not even the tail of, of last season, just in fact, you know, just in recent times, he's not, his conversion rate is just terrible in front of goal, especially. Like, I know that he's not, to me, he's not exactly a striker, but he's kind of playing there now, if it makes sense. Yeah. So, as much as he's good at linking play, he has to score the goals too, and he's not been doing that. So, I just feel like Liverpool just need someone else that can offer both the link-up play and the goals. Somebody like Kane, let's say if Spurs don't win anything at the end of this season, they should go for him and try and, you know, sign him because he's playing a good role for Spurs in the whole helping players like Son to thrive and stuff. That's one player they could go for, really. Yeah, I think. I've never thought of Harry Kane at Liverpool, but now that you've said it like that, that just makes so much sense. He'd be perfect. I, I feel think. like he would do so great providing balls to Salah Romane in that team. He's a perfect striker for them, but as if they would commit that that much funds because he's easily a 100 million plus player. So, reason. Salah, Mane and Kane, that, uh, that that would scare the life out of me. That would be unbelievable, honestly. I'll not watch League No More. That'd possibly be the the best the best attack in the world. Maybe even, you know, you've got Salah, Mane, two of the best in the world in their positions. Kane, he's one of the best strikers in the world. And it, that, 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 well, yeah. that's getting life out of me. Yeah, the way it is is that, yeah, I still kind of rate Firmino to an extent, but he still needs to score a lot more goals than he does. Because Martial, what I like about him is that his game has actually started to improve a lot more. I used to just banter him so much just because, you know, it took him ages to score like Premier League, he's done it now. But just his general intelligence on the ball has been fantastic for United, you know, creating so many opportunities, scoring goals as well. He just now needs to be a, a bit more consistent, really. But I can see signs of a good striker there. So, well, I, I think Martial's actually crucial to United in this. This The red card he got on the weekend that's going to hurt us a lot because any patterns of play we have in attack, they all, Martial's central to all of them. He's, he's crucial to us. But. Yeah. And and he'd probably do Firmino's job better than him, but obviously I never want to see Martial in a Liverpool shirt in my life, <laughs> ever. But no, let's let's talk about Liverpool's opponents now. And Aston Villa just just they were so good. And like, what do what are the expectations for them this season? Do you reckon they can actually break the top ten, Denzel? Um, the way they start the season, it looks like they can. It looks really plausible. But I don't know. I think this form they have now makes up for when they will eventually have a big clip like they did last season in the Premier League probably in the middle of the season so maybe this is what stops them getting relegated but I think a more realistic thing for them would be maybe 12 to 14 they had a great game against Liverpool Gillis and Ross Barkley looked great together I don't know how Ross Barkley went to Birmingham and all of a sudden learned how to play football so I guess it's great (laughs) for them but yeah I think maybe 12 to 14 would probably be a realistic place for Aston Villa to finish this season Karis would you agree? Yeah, I'd even go one higher. I'd say that I feel like if, um, not Liverpool, if Aston Villa can keep up their form, I know they'll have a blip at some point, but if they can, in general, keep up the solid form, I feel like a Europa League place is not too far away. If you've got a player like Grealish carrying you, and now they've got a lot more quality around them with the likes of Watkins, Louise holding it down, McGinn, Barkley now to kind of support Grealish. They've just, and yeah, and if Watkins can adapt, especially for me, that's the key thing. If he can keep going the way he is, I feel like they'll definitely be top half at least, possibly Europa League. So, yeah, that's my prediction. Big, big claim, but you, you've backed up nicely. And Barkley, I think I think Villa's a good move for him because, you know, he's actually a very talented player. He just, he's so inconsistent. He He kind of, he lacks intelligence at times too. And I think being at a place like Aston Villa where there's not as much pressure as there is at Chelsea, that that could be so beneficial for him, Denzel, would you agree? Yeah, I think it's a great move for his career. I think getting out of... Obviously, he was the great footballer he was at Everton. There was great um, hype around him, but then he went to Chelsea. Things haven't really gone his way. He has had great um, little stretches of games. Well, not stretches. I'd say there was three games on the Surrey in a row, which he was great. He scored the equaliser against United in like the 96th minute, I think it was. Yeah, I remember. But yeah, that, anyways, yeah. yeah. I think... Going to Villa would be good for him because him and Grealish together look really good. Maybe they could provide something for a new spot, like a new partnership that could even take to the Euros with England. 
Well, yeah, they look they look like they they're linking up very nicely. And and Karis, do you think Grealish's decision to stay stay will end up being vindicated? He was criticised a lot for it in the summer, but do you reckon now he's made the right decision possibly? Um, that's the thing. I'm not sure if Grealish should have stayed. It depends on his ambitions, really, because of you know, you can see from what Villa have done in the transfer that they, they have ambition. Like getting someone that walks for thirty million is a huge statement, and it shows that you know that. Aston Villa are being backed to get back to where they really belong. And obviously it will take time for them to get back, but they're putting the necessary quality around him, which is the good thing. So it could be a good move for him that gets regular game time and stuff. But it's just up to him. If he wants to have ambitions of the Champions League and playing in there, then I'm not sure he should have committed to as many years as he did. But I'm happy that he's at a club where, you know, he's loved and he loves them as well. So... I'm just excited to see how you know really continue to develop. But he's a he's a brilliant player, as I said before. Yeah, I think I think he's you know he's he shouldn't have committed for as long as he did. But if at any time he can for some I think he's eventually going to become way too good for them because the way he's been playing lately and just how he was last season, he was fantastic. Grealish is a player I'm a really big fan of, and honestly, I would have loved him to join United this summer. And I think any any top six club would take him. Without a shadow of a doubt, he's just that good. Such a talented player, such an intelligent player, and actually such a nice player to watch too. He just he looks like a natural footballer, if you know yeah, what I mean. Definitely. And then, yeah. do you think he made the right decision? I I like his decision. I think he's shown everyone, all the tabloids that try to get him in the press for bad news, that he's not about the money. He's about he's about football. Like he, Aston Villa means so much to him, and. I, he means so much Aston Villa and I think they've shown it with giving him the five-year contract. For As for his career goes, well, as Kyra said, it depends on what he wants out of his career. You know, one club men in the day like Steven Gerrard who could have left Liverpool for the big money and the big trophies but decided to stay loyal. Obviously, Liverpool and Aston Villa are two different levels but I think it's great for football to see players, you know, homegrown players stay at their clubs no matter how much money is thrown in their faces. Well, yeah, the loyalty is it's heartwarming to see, truly. Yeah. Anyways, now moving on to the bit I didn't want to talk about, United and Spurs from last weekend. Wonderful. And, yeah, so, Karis, do you think it's time to strip Maguire of the captaincy? Shouldn't have been captain in the first place. That's the bottom line, really. Like, I don't know why. Like, I know De Gea has declined, but he's a fantastic leader. And, you know, he's known the club for years. So, someone like him being captain is always best. So... He was basically stripped of cats for telling the truth, which is ridiculous. And then putting Maguire in his place. Even at Leicester, I'd say that um, Evans was the actual like leader of the squad. I think he was captain anyway, but he's the actual leader of their squad and not Maguire. So I don't see why he was fit to be captain of the biggest club in England. It's just yeah, crazy. Who was captain, but Maguire, like, he's, I, oh, he's, never, he's never captained a team in his career before United, but he became a vice so quickly and... Yeah, with the De Gea situation, it's like all he did was just say, truth, he just says it's probably the worst United team I've been in. And he totally gets better. But I don't, I don't think that's something you strip, we should have stripped him of the vice captaincy for. And then even, even if you did strip him, you should have probably given it to somebody like Rashford, who actually knows the club well, knows the ideals, always plays like the badge rather than someone like Maguire. And then what's annoyed me the most is after the whole incident in the summer with in Greece with Maguire obviously getting arrested and stuff, like, surely you'd strip him of the captaincy for that if you stripped De Gea for what he said, like what Maguire did was quite a lot worse. What, what, what do you think of that? It's sort of one of these situations where from the articles that I've read, it's kind of like in the game, they tend to see like Maguire as a multi-professional, if you understand what I'm saying. Like, you know, always turns up on time, organises everything off the pitch, like um, club dinners and things like that. I've read so many stuff about how Maguire organises all of that. So within the game, he has a good a good reputation. So I can see that's probably why all he did is strip the captaincy, even though he really shouldn't have held on to it at all. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I, and I see what you're saying about Marcus Rashford. I mean, it might be a step too early for Marcus Rashford, but he's shown... Obviously, this outside of football, he's shown with the way he's taken on the government, with the way he's leading this fight against poverty. He's a leader. He that's that's just in his in his blood. He's naturally. Well, not even not even just him, Bruno. Even 
Yeah, yeah, have, have you guys seen the clip of Harry Maguire telling off Marcus Rashford for trying to talk to the ref? Whereas yeah. Marcus Rashford is in a sense doing Harry Maguire's job and Harry Maguire shouldn't be telling him off for that. Harry Maguire should be the one doing that, you know? As the captain yeah. of the team, you're supposed to be there for your players to defend them. Even if you know they've made a mistake or whatever, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be like, yeah, my captain's got me. My captain's there. I want to die for my captain, you know? Yeah, you see the great I... captains in the past, they all had that type of aura. But I yeah. guess why leadership is something you have or you don't. I don't think it's something that's taught, and I don't think McGuire can ever ever learn. Uh, to be a I agree wholeheartedly. And watching that video, I'm pretty sure my blood pressure reached levels it never has before. <laughs> like that, that, that disgusted me. I mean, I know originally as soon, when it happened, first McGuire went to the ref to try and find out what happened. But even even after VAR checked it, like, and McGuire said, "Look, VAR checked it," but you with a bit more pressure rather than going against your teammates support them and try force the ref to go look at the incident himself on the pitch side camera and that could have made a difference like we were still getting given a hiding but making it 10 v 10 would have made a big difference and i don't think we would have ended up losing 6-1 it's like you know one of my mates said in the group chat he's like at any level of football no matter what your captain should always have his team's back he should always show that he has teams back and that what Maguire did there that that's not having your team's back i was not happy about it you know, imagine if, like, you know, the captain of Real Madrid did that. Imagine, imagine if Sergio Ramos did that. Like, You'd never see that. Never. Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos is probably the biggest alpha personality in football. You would never. See and that the worst part, the worst part of all this, they tried to make a silly excuse that you know, Maguire was stopping Rashford from talking about it, saying that he doesn't get a yellow card for responding back or some nonsense. Like, come on, man, don't be silly. It's, the way, it's, it's just the way some people refuse to accept Maguire can do wrong. Like, throughout the season overall, like, when he's made mistakes, they say, oh, it's Lindelof's fault. It's, it's, yeah. If Maguire makes a mistake, it's not Lindelof's fault. Like, it's, it's Everett, people... Everett said it perfectly as well. He was saying that, you know, it's always Maguire needs this, needs that. How about dropping out of the squad? He said the it, truth, to be exactly. honest. You know, yeah. honestly, I think Maguire can end up becoming a Kepa. I think we need, we just, we need to... If he doesn't improve, like you know, he had some good periods earlier in the season, but since lockdown, yeah. he's been he's been horrible. And if he doesn't improve, we just need to cut ties. Like, get rid of him. Get in players like Kunde and Upamenkano, who are really good young centre backs. Yeah, it's just frustrating to see, honestly. And and now let's let's talk about Oleg and Solskjaer. Denzel, do you think he's living on borrowed time? Well, I was having this discussion earlier with my friends today. The problem, the Man United fan base is split between blaming the board and blaming the manager, or there's a few groups who think it's the players. But in reality, it is both the board and the manager. Man United as a club, just, I don't know how they've fallen so far from grace. But yeah, I do agree. I think Solskjaer is on borrowed time, but then again, it's not really his fault. He shouldn't have got to where he got in the first place, and that's why Man United for hiring him. I guess he was good when they came. When you first came in, and United won that long stretch of games, yeah, they looked great. Yeah, and they looked great last season at the end of the last season after um, the lockdown as well when Bruno came in. But I don't think any of that is down to Solskjaer. I generally don't see what he does. I don't see what Solskjaer's style of play is. I don't see what he's trying to do. I remember he came in and they were saying how he's trying to, you know, do United versus core values and um, bring in young players. Their best signing this season is Cavani, who's 33. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's time for it's United to go. But... If they do sack him, it doesn't make sense sacking him so soon after the transfer window just closed. That should have been a decision made at the start of the season, which they couldn't do because he had those good run of games. So I think they should just see out the whole season with him and then bring in someone fresh at the end of this weird season. Yes, it's, it's going to be strange. I mean, like, he just he lit, our team looks so disorganised at the back. There's no real lead. And obviously, our captain, Maguire, but our, our back line's got no kind of organisation or leadership. It looks really poor there the general structure of the team he's and and this is not me excusing Paul Pogba's recent performances because he's been poor but he's playing Paul Pogba as our deepest midfielder he's he's making him just sit and receive from the centre-backs for 90 minutes and like you know he's having Matic go up and press as the player and I'm like what, what are you doing like you've got Paul Pogba this like everyone knows his quality but you're not going to get the best out of him making him do that like it's 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 crazy and our That's pressing so structure our pressing structure up top just looks on it like it like it looks like we don't even coach the press. It's like he just tells, okay, go and run around, and and, and <laughs> they do fun. that. 
Yeah, and they, and they just like they they sprint like crazy, but there's no kind of organization to it. Like you look at Liverpool, you look at Man City, they've got all, they've got an organized press. You look at Bayern Munich, they've got an organized press. Even Southampton, they've got an organized press. We don't have an organized press. It's so uncoordinated. And and Karis, like, what what do you think of that? Yeah, for me, Oli's kind of like the good thing about him is that when he came in, he's kind of you know. After Mourinho, a lot of people's confidence was on the floor. Guys like Martial, Rashford, you know, had a bit of a hard time under Mourinho. Um, even Pogba, it looked on the verge of leaving, which he could, he still could, to be fair. But, um, and then he came in and kind of, you know, stabilised things, got United believing again, had that good result against PSG and like basically got him the job. Um, but then in terms of what I've seen from him in the job, it's kind of like, He's a good man manager and a motivator, but he's, he's not coach. really. Well, he's not. That's as far as it goes. He's not really a good tactician at all, in my opinion. I mean, like in big games, you know, he's had some decent victories and stuff. He's had some good results against Pep and stuff. But I'm talking about over a whole 38 game season. Guys like Brighton recently, for example, they outplayed you. If it wasn't for the juju on the po- on the post, they would have <laughs> they would have won easy. So, yeah, I don't know uh, how they hit the post so many times. That was crazy. That was insane. Like, and then Bruno said some comment which I loved. Was like, um, well, they aim to score to hit the post. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's one thing I really like about Bruno. He make he makes these kind of like comments, but they're really funny. But you know, it just he, when he he's shows a winner, his character. He more of that. Yeah, I think his mentality really had a big impact on the players in this club, him and Matic are probably the two biggest alpha personalities in the squad. And Pogba at times is like that too. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the free real leaders in the squad for me. And that's, the, and that's the thing. For me, it all goes to towards manager. I don't think you have a manager that is a winner or has that sort of aura of a winner. Like yeah, under, Mourinho, under Mourinho, you have someone that, you know, has won it all. Okay, despite some of the bad times he's had at United, you know, he got one of your worst scores to second place. That just tells you how good he is. Won you the Europa League. He's got that aura of a winner and he actually won stuff with you. While with Solskjaer, I just don't really, you know, see a manager that will take you any further. He's just boosted up confidence, really. Yeah, but, and I think as all yeah. three of us support quite big clubs, at the at clubs of this that size and stature, you you need that you need arrogance, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and we've not got that kind of Arrogance about he's, unnecessarily. He's, he's too much, almost Oli as well. He seems, yeah, oh, it just yeah. it doesn't seem serious. He just seems like mm. you can't lose six one and come out with a grin. Like it just doesn't make sense that's, to me. I guess you see, crazy. you see Klopp laughing, but you know Klopp's laugh after the game was more of the arrogance laugh. Like it wasn't the show score. Mm. Like oh, I'm just happy to be here type of smile. You know? Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. And it's just it's it's frustrating. Just. But about about Paul Pogba, obviously there's been a lot of discussion about him. Do you, Denzel, do you think it's the beginning of the end for him at United? I think we saw the beginning of the end when he fell out with Mourinho. I think that's when we did see, but then we're just it's just been prolonged so much due to different many many different reasons. Like I thought, if it wasn't for coronavirus and him coming back at the end of the last season, I think he would have left this summer. And then you did see his comments today about how it's a dream to play for Real Madrid. And you know Zidane's French. Zidane's been a good, big fan of him. So I think that probably is likely his next destination. Yeah, and, and Karis. Uh, yeah, I was going to add something extra to the Pogba thing. But I know some United fans will kind of like have their own views on it. And it's kind of like, I saw a tweet that somebody sent me. And it also said that he's like, oh, you know, I love playing in Manchester. He wants to win things. So for me, it's that, you know, Pogba does have the motivation to see United come back to the top. But... The thing is that he's also part of the problem. He's not... Like, when I say that... When I see people say stuff like, you know, United don't deserve Pogba or this and that. Like, they do, to be honest. They deserve each other. Because of... As much as Pogba is a world-class player, he's had times in the United side where, you know, he's He's just not been... He's just not putting his all or being on it. Like, simple five-yard passes are going wayward. For a player of his quality, that should not be happening, really. Yeah, and I know that Oli's used him poorly, but sometimes he needs to, like, you know, assume responsibility more. He did that a lot in eighteen nineteen, which for me was one of one of his best seasons. But 
just recently under Oli, I just don't feel like you know he's been on it as he should. I th- I, and and I, I completely agree. I think everyone knows how much I love Pogba. He's my favourite player, but he's, he's, his performances lately have not been acceptable. And I mean, he's not entirely at fault for that. But some, yeah. it's, like you said, he needs to assume responsibility and just pull his leg out a bit and think, OK, let me, let me prove a point. He did it for France in the World Cup. So I feel like he needs to do it again. He's got Bruno around him. He's got Martial. He's got Rashford. You've got Greenwood coming on sometimes. So there's some quality there, really. Even though the United board have let you down massively, there is still a little bit of quality to work with. So yeah, he just needs and, to buck up the ideas a bit. And I mean, he played really well for France the other night. Well, yeah. like, you know, in the time he had, I thought he really ran the game. He 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 made a big kind of difference off the bench. And he's just, he's he, he's shown there, like, the kind of quality he has. He just needs to show it more consistently now. And yeah, with the Real Madrid comments, I mean... I had I had some discussions with people about it, and I I I, I said like, realistically, what what footballer doesn't dream of playing for Real Madrid? Like, if you both were footballers, you'd dream of playing for Real Madrid one day, right? Yeah, yeah, and like, the fact that he's French, a French midfielder, a high-profile French midfielder, and they're managed by the best French footballer of all time and probably the best midfielder of all time in Zinedine Zidane. Like, you can see why it's such an attractive proposition to him to play for Real Madrid. 100%, yeah. And I get there's the claims of unprofessionalism and stuff like with saying that, but I feel like he saved it nicely with the stuff about, I'm in Manchester, I'm focused on getting back to the best. And the one that stuck out to me, I'm focused on getting back to the best of my ability, that's him kind of indirectly saying he knows he's not been on it lately, but he wants to be better. And that, that, that I liked. I think he saved it nicely. And I saw a lot of people saying he shouldn't have commented. But if you think about it, he's asked about Real Madrid. If he says no comment, the media are going to come out and say, like, he's hiding something. He's hiding something. And I, and I get this feeling with Pogba sometimes, like, no matter what he does, he can't win. That's true. I agree mm. with that. I, I, it's, so, it's so frustrating. But because I feel like Pogba is one of those guys, like, if this, we were talking about Maguire earlier, can you imagine? the media uproar if it was Pogba fighting police officers in Mykonos. Oh, it would have been they would deported him straight away. Graham Sunis would have gone so red with steam coming out of his ears and everything. So I feel I feel sorry for Pogba in that aspect. Like no, yeah, you're right. No matter what he does, he will be criticized. He, if he, he scored he, fifty goals this season, they'd be like, oh, but why didn't he score sixty five, you know? It's just he, ridiculous. He, he's been vilified to to an extent that very few footballers ever have in this country like he no matter what he does he can't win he'll drop a 10 out of 10 performance and they'll say okay why doesn't he do this every week he'll he'll drop a poor performance they'll criticize him and even like it's just okay yeah fair enough criticize him for his bad performances but when he plays well they'll still criticize him and it's just it really it frustrates me as a United fan and as a Pogba fan like the kind of treatment he gets in comparison to other players like Harry Maguire yeah and yeah, but on Pogba's French 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 teammate Anthony Martial, Denzel, what do you think about that the red card decision and the controversy surrounding it? Well, it's a red card. You can't argue that. It's just my problem is with Lamella and how he handled the situation because that to me, I'm a bit I'm a bit like Sean Dyche when it comes to like diving and flapping around and stuff. That I hate it so much. It needs to come out of our game. Like I hate it. I, I was a big fan of like the, I'm a big fan of the likes of Sergio Ramos and like Diego Costa and stuff. But stuff like that, I just it makes me feel horrible. Like I hate it so yeah. much. As a professional, you shouldn't want to see other players get sent off because obviously you want to win. But seeing another player get sent off is different to like a little barge or something. You know, I hate it. it yeah. needs to, stuff like that needs to go of our game as soon as possible. And I think they need to really crack down on stuff like diving and the way Lamella acted. But again, like, I don't know how VAR didn't pick up on what Lamella did first. And, I, and then, you know, again, going back to what I said earlier, if Maguire had actually backed his teammates and if they put some more pressure on the referee, he could have actually gone and checked that himself and Lamella could have been sent off. Look, I'm not denying that it was a red card. But I think the fact that it was only Martial that was sent off was disgraceful. Karis, what do you think? Yeah, it's like there wasn't enough consistency really with the decisions because Lamella literally thrusted his whole fist into Marsh. Was it Marshall's neck or something? I don't even know. Yeah, it was, so, it was his side or his neck. I'm not sure. I, I don't like, remember. Nat- naturally, naturally, you'd react, but obviously, you shouldn't react. But 
he did and he got the red card which for Martial was deserved but Lamella should have been off as well so it's yeah, a lack 100%. of criticism yeah and that's frustrating and, and Martial losing losing Martial like our already poor pressing structure got so much worse and and the fact is we I don't know why we kept pressing high that that that's tactical ineptitude from Oli the fact that he kept us pressing high as, as soon as you go a man down like that you need to stop pressing especially as we conceded the third goal straight after he gets sent off like our midfield was exposed Jose Mourinho is one of the best managers of coaching transitions they were killing us in transition already with a man off and we're still pressing like high like it, it it's football suicide and it goes back to what you said Karis about Ole Ole's tactic tactics and like you know that and that's his clear weakness I think and you know if if you were Ole what would you have done as soon as Martial got sent off uh, to be honest like I don't know really because I have a way with Maguire at the back I just wouldn't feel confident anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing I don't think whatever tactics you put it would be it would be any different really because of just the way you see Son and Kane, they're just they're just fantastic. Honestly, the way they were linking up that game was amazing. So yeah, and I don't I don't really see anything I would have done. Maybe Denzel has an, has an answer, but I'm just confused. But no, I think yes, is we should have just you know sat back a bit more, became a bit more compact. I think bringing on McTominay, Fred at halftime was the right decision. I don't know that taking Bruno Fernandez yeah. off was the right decision, but you know though, ha- like just sitting back, being a bit more compact, yeah, and you know just. Against, trying to not let Spurs break us. Jason Mourinho team with 10 men, you just, at some point, I know it's anti-football, but you just, you know, do you guys remember the Man City-Chelsea game a few years back where Conte just literally instructed the players, you know what, don't press, don't anything, keep the shape, damage control. Just have a bit of pride. Yeah. yeah, that's what you do because against United, you don't even, you don't even have a defender sent off. I don't know how you became so porous and how you were able to ship six. It's just because the you defense are, became you were so doing exposed. badly before Martial got sent off anyways when the score was just 2-1. So I think you do just, I don't know, maybe this is just the way I see football, but when it gets like 3-1, 4-1, you accept, okay, we're not coming back. Let's yeah, just, you've you got know. to stop pressing high. You've got to stop attacking. Yeah. You've got to try and just catch them out on the counter or something. That's what Liverpool didn't do either against Villa. Yeah, I think both they, clubs should have done that same thing. I think sometimes clubs, obviously I spoke about big clubs having arrogance earlier, but I think at times also you need to know when to drop your pride. You need to like know, yeah, it's, 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 it's what Denzel said, it's damage control. But talk, talking about Spurs now and just how good they were, like, oh, I want, one player I want to talk about is Hoongman Son. I think, you know, when Mourinho first joined Spurs, I said, you know what, the player that will excel at Spurs under Mourinho is Hoongman Son. I think he's just he's a Mourinho player and Denzel. Do you think, obviously he's performed in patches in recent years, do you think we'll see a more consistent version of Hung Min Son now? I definitely think we do because before the patches we saw of him were usually when Kane was injured because obviously their main goal scoring threat was Kane. So I think now that Kane has got this new role where he's distributing to Son, I think those two together and then when Bell comes in, we will just see one of the best run frees we've seen in the Premier League. For quite some time, even I think they'll probably. Ma- I this might be a hot take, and you guys might disagree, but I think they rival Liverpool front three if those three are all clicking and get together. I think it really depends on how Bale settles in because if if he plays the way he has for the last two years, what like obviously people like he's missed a lot of time of injury, but when he has played, he's been poor for the last two years. If he continues like that, then maybe not but if if we can see anything close to prime bale again that's going to be something to worry about and Karis, obviously as an arsenal fan you'll you you'll, you'll hate to see that at tottenham right that's the, they won't win anything anyway so is mine now. <laughs> but no honestly on a on a serious note their front three is fantastic like you know they can get the bale back that you know the bale that clutched them so clutched Real Madrid so many titles for me he's one of the most clutch players of his generation just every big game, you know, he's always there. They, they can get that bail back, then they'll be scary to see. Son and Bale, not, sorry, not Son and Bale, Son and Kane, their partnership has just been brilliant to watch. Like, Son, I know there's only been a few games, but Son looks a bit more, every time he gets close to the goal, you just know he's going to score. Like, he's just such a killer in front of the goal. So, if he can keep consistent, then, again, that's another scary player to have. Then Kane, 
like the good thing is that they have Vinicius behind him just in case he gets injured. But keeping Kane fit could possibly be the difference between them having top four and not having top four, really. So, yeah, I think, yeah, we only we only our game. So, you obviously then don't think they're title contenders, but Benzel, do you think Spurs can contend this season? Um, yes, I want to just go and say, yeah, yeah, I do think they do. Jason Mooney is a manager without the pressure he's had at other clubs because no one expects him to do well. I think they might be the dark horses for the season. The good thing for Spurs is that they've actually got quite decent depth if you look at their squad all round. Yeah. Like, let's say, for example, at right back, they've got Doherty and Aurier competing at left back, Regulon and Davies. On the right wing, they've got Lamella, Lucas Bale, striker Kane Vinicius. Left wing, they've got Son and who else is behind Bergwijn. Bergwijn, yeah, another really good winger. Then in midfield spots, they have Lo Celso, Dombele, Winks, Sissoko, Deli Ali, I think, is still there anyway. So all of them competed for spaces. So there's a lot of good depth there, just on and off the bench. And that's what Mourinho would like. So, And the good thing is that they've kind of learn as a team to be a bit more nasty like the documentary shown as well yeah i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say the words <laughs> <I'm> like, well, <laughs> um yeah they've looked to be a bit more of a nasty side so yeah the derby will be hard when we play them but you know you know one thing i noticed from that documentary was actually jose Mourinho's emphasis on kind of how they need to be mentally the way they need to act the way they need to think and the mental game is as important as the physical game really Exactly, and I think Jose Mourinho like puts a really big emphasis on that. And um, let's talk about Hoiberg in midfield and the kind of impact he's had on Spurs. Like Denzel, what do you think? I've been really impressed with him so far. I think he's been really good. I people were saying, I think against Everton, people were saying how he was being poor or whatever, but he did have one blip. But I like, I was a big fan of him at Southampton. I thought he's what got Southampton taken, and I think he will provide something similar for Spurs. And I think he's such a Jason Mourinho signing in the way he plays. Yeah, I think he'll suit them very well. And obviously, his lead- he was obviously Southampton captain too before he left, so his leadership's a big bonus for them. And Karis, how do you feel about him? Yeah, somebody like him who, you know, was once a buying player, and you're not a buying player once if you don't have something about you. So just the way he's been moving about, just keeping things simple for them and at the same time, he's very industrious as well. So, you know, he's been decent so far for Spurs. So we just have to keep, just see how it keeps going. Hopefully it gets worse and worse, but uh, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to see, really. We'll have to see. He's been good so far. Yeah, and I think him sitting back will give Ndombele the freedom to get forward. And that's where we'll really see the best of Ndombele, who is such, such a talented player. I think, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, definitely. And it seems like Dom, Dombele, the good thing for him is that he's won the trust of Mourinho. So he's actually decided that, you know what, Mourinho has reservations about my effort and what I'm doing. So he decides that, OK, I'm going to come back. Then in the Europa League against that, I can't even pronounce that name of that team, whoever it was, he scored a goal. Then again, he scored against United. So, you know, he seems to be on a good run of form. And if it, if it can continue doing this, then... He will definitely make the squad for the Euros. I know Deschamps likes him quite a lot. So, yeah, yeah I think I think um, Ndombele of the France squad has been a bit similar to Martial in the sense that Deschamps is a fan, but he wants to see him get consistent game time before he calls him up. Yeah. And now let's let's talk about international. Let's 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 talk. You know, now like obviously we've seen a few games already this week. But is there any more games you lot are particularly interested in looking at, Karis? Any games? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just focused on my team right now, to be honest. Like, I'm just happy with how we're going. So I'm just, I can't wait for our game against um, City to see how that goes, really, just to see if we can beat City again. Because we haven't won at the Etihad since 2015. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. And other than that, I'm just interested to see how United are doing their big games that they have because you've got a quite a bad run coming. But yeah, we'll have, to see, we'll have to see what happens there. I'm, I'm worried I want to see that. Mbappe versus Maguire. Oh, God. Neymar and Mbappe versus Maguire, don't remind me. Yeah, Denzel, anything in the international break you're interested in? Um, I mean, international break is just the worst time for football in the, mid- in the middle of the season, especially... I don't know. International breaks me. I don't really pay much attention to it. I just find it so boring. I don't think anyone really cares. 
even with the nation leagues. I don't think the players themselves really are that competitive. So I don't yeah. really watch international break football. But it's just annoying because Chelsea had such a great game against Palace and then the international break. So right now I'm just looking forward to see if we do continue this form or if we'll just go one off. I'll probably I'll probably take a look at some games just for individual players, players who are, who I love like Pogba, Martial, uh yeah. Joao Felix, Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes for Portugal. You know, I'll, I'll watch teams like that probably. But I'm not the most bothered. But actually, do we think it's safe for the international break to go ahead in the current climate, especially as we seem to be go, going into a second wave of COVID right now, Karis? Not at all. Like, whoever gave the, green, gave the green light to it was just stupid. Like, you're mixing players who have come from different environments to converge in one area. So, of course, something is going to happen. And it's affected us, you know, because of Tierney was, well, Tierney uh, social, distance, social distanced, but he was in close proximity to Stuart Armstrong of Southampton, who tested positive for COVID-19. And then I also saw a tweet recently that said that Anthony Lopez, the keeper of Leon, uh, was positive to COVID-19. So, you know, it's affecting everybody, all teams. So it's kind of like, I just don't see the point of the international break, really, but... They let it go ahead, so just hopefully mm-hmm. everything comes back safe and sound. Yeah, yeah. I think it was silly to let it go ahead, Ben. So, what do you think? I think it's. Uh, I agree with Karis. It's a horrible decision, with especially how many cases we're seeing coming now. We even have players like Thiago and Mane who are missing out Premier League games due to testing positive for coronavirus. So to have players mixing internationally from not even just going from England versus whoever they play. It's the players coming from these global players like Santo come from Germany mixing with players in England. I guess it's just that's, that shouldn't happen. We should stick to the restrictions. I don't know why it's one rule yeah. for them and one rule for us, you know. Because if I went on holiday right now, everyone would look at me badly. So I don't see why footballers just get a pass. Yeah, and I see like, you know, there's different restrictions in different countries and it can affect players coming back to quarantine and stuff like you know, it'll affect so many different clubs because everywhere's different and it's just it's just not safe at all, in my opinion. But yeah. Now just to conclude, all right, so Arsene Wenger the other day has proposed some, you know, pretty big rule changes in football. So the first one, corners that go out of play but swing back in should be valid. Denzel, what do you think? I think no. I love Wenger for what he did at Arsenal. But uh, he just needs to take a break, you know. It's just such a, uh, it's just a pointless rule, you know. The corner comes from ball going out of play. So why should the player be able to, like, kick it out and back? Because I think footballers, footballers will abuse that. You know how talented footballers are, so you know they'll find different yeah. ways to take advantage of it. Because where do you stop that? Because what if you do from one corner all the way to the other corner, but it just lands just in, you know? So I think that's a ridiculous rule. That, that's just, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just dumb, honestly. And, and Karis, like, what do you think? Yeah, like, I know that as part of his role, you know, all these rules are open for interpretation, but it's not galactic football. There's no need for it at all. (laughs) Yeah, I think think there's more pressing matters to focus on. And then then there's this next one, opportunity to take throw-ins in your own half as kicks. Again, it's with the corner rule. Players are so talented. Then you will just see players like De Bruyne, Pogba, Trent, you know, they will be the ones taking throw-ins instead of just have playing with throwing and getting on with it. I think I think football right now, you know, we just don't need any rule changes. We've had so many recently with VAR coming in and what's over and we're only just getting used to it. So I think football should just be how it is. Yeah, so I think I think they just need to kind of, you know, relax on the rule changes unless they're actually necessary and actually improve the game. This 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 makes the game a bit more entertaining, but it doesn't necessarily improve the yeah. game, if you know what I mean. Karis, what do you think? Yeah, again, like, it's just, it's not as absurd as the first one, but it's not something that we really need in the game right now. So I just don't see the extra benefit at all. That's the main thing I'm looking at. If you introduce a new rule, will it benefit the players on the pitch? Will it make the game fair? Will it add any extra entertainment value or anything? And for me, it doesn't take any of those boxes. So I don't see the point. Now, see, this final rule is an interesting one. Change the offside rule in favour of attacking players. So I looked a bit more into this and it's, if any part of the body that you can score with is in line with the last defender, then you'll be counted as onside. And Karis, what do you think about that rule? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like that will actually benefit a lot. Like, 
you know how there's that phrase that goes around saying the benefit of the doubt and stuff like that. Yeah. So that so that rule kind of veers in that direction that you know it gives advantage to the attacker as the game should. We want to see goals in the game as well. So I not have them ruled out for silly reasons of like you know this part was near offside, but I can't score with it anyway. So it's just a bit crazy. So yeah, I feel like this rule could be positive, really. Yeah, Denzel, what do you think about it? Um, I actually disagree. I think offside should stay the way it is because, I don't know, I just feel like we just give so much to the attacking players and stuff. But like when you, for example, that whole if one part of your body is onside compared to, if you have a tall player who's really lightning quick like Mbappe, that extra yard of space, that, that makes a difference between a goal scoring opportunity and not, which I think is unfair for defensive man and coaches and players like that. So I, I think the rules should stay how it is. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if if it was a smaller change, I, I'd protect... Like, you know, we've had, obviously, goals ruled out for offside on, a, like, a toenail or something. I think if, if you That's change what I was thinking that, of, yeah. then potentially... But this is, like... You could have someone's leg could be, like, a full yard or two offside, but if their back foot's in line with the defender, they're classed as onside, and I think that that's where it gets... And you'll see footballers take advantage of it, like you said, with the throwing rule, like... Footballers are so talented. They're so they're so good at what they do. Like they'll take the piss of it, and there that's that's just what I think about it. I think if we're going to change the offside rule, it needs to be a smaller change, especially because we've only just got used to the new rules. Anyways, that's that's us for this week. So thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope to see you next week. Yeah, it was good to be back, guys. Yep, thank you. Uh, thank you. Have a lovely weekend.